From the offices of Cocktail Collective, this is Cocktails Distilled, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. As the trend moves towards low ABV drinks and cocktails, Heyman's Gin have developed a new expression called small gin. A full-strength gin, small gin has stronger botanical flavors designed to reduce the amount of spirit required. As many consumers are actively looking to reduce their alcohol consumption but are keen to continue enjoying that classic gin flavor that they have grown to love, we talked to fifth-generation distiller James Heyman about their new expression, small gin. Thanks for joining us, James. No, my pleasure. Nice to speak to you. Now, Heyman's is known as a very traditional English gin. What made you think to develop a gin that is perhaps much more modern in having a low ABV? Well, from a Heyman's point of view, we, we, we very much focus on the, the true English style of gin, which you, which you mentioned. But at the same time, although we've been studying for, for a long time and we, we're very, very true to how we've always made our gin, it's also important to you know, look at how the, the markets move forward and stay relevant to that. And gin is obviously going through a huge fashion at the moment. It's very trendy. There's lots of new distilleries popping up and there's, there's new expressions of gin that are coming out. Uh, so we would never want to not be part of that. Uh, you know, we haven't actually got involved in the whole pink phenomenon, but uh, we obviously do spend a lot of time looking at gin innovation in the distillery. And one thing that's really come to mind over the last few years is the importance. I think it's coming far more important to people what they eat and drink. Uh, so that obviously impacts out the amount of alcohol they consume. You have periods during the course of the year when people have a dry month, uh, which you would never probably experience 10 years ago. And I think for, for us, people like drinking a gin and tonic or a gin cocktail, but there are occasions when perhaps you don't always want the alcohol associated with that. And it might be a barbecue on a Sunday when you've got work the following day. It might be earlier in the week, a Monday or Tuesday night when you want to have the gin and tonic ritual and experience, but you don't necessarily want to wake up the next morning feeling maybe um, like you might do after a heavy night out on a Friday or Saturday night. Mm. So with that sort of in mind, you know, there, there was some, you know, from our point of view, back to your original point, we have to, we have to make sure that anything we produce or introduce is of the right quality uh, and really fits with our existing range. You know, we pride our very much ourselves on, on the styles of gym we make, the awards we win. You know, last week we won, uh, the ISC trophy for our Haynes London Dry. So anything we do has got to fit within that range and that and that style. And it, it's just something we started quite a long time ago now about how do we how do we make a gin and tonic experience but take out the alcohol. There are other equivalents on the market, but rather than go low, they've gone no. And I think they've had some mixed reaction. I think uh, people really understand. You know, a lot of people are very in favour of what it's allowed them to do and you know to have a, an experience which isn't actually a gin and tonic experience but it's following the ritual of having a gin and tonic and feeling that they're having a gin and tonic if they're they might be driving or they you know unable to drink at that for a period of time uh what we want to do is really 
develop something that retained the gin in terms of the gin and tonic and actually still be a gin. And, you know, the interesting thing about small gin, it still fits within the gin regulations because it's 43% um, ABV in terms of alcohol. What we've done is actually dialed up the flavor in it. So you need less of it to create um, a gin and tonic experience. And it's taken out 80% of the, uh, of, of the alcohol of your, of a normal gin and tonic. So, so those, those are sort of the key components to, to, to what was behind it. And ultimately we, and when you're doing innovation, in, lots of innovations don't work for whatever reason. It might be a great idea, may end up not tasting so great. And when you find an innovation that actually starts ticking all the boxes, then then you know that you're you're in a position that you can take it further and actually bring it to market. When you say that you that someone would be using less of it, yeah. um, what sort of quantities are we talking about? Well, it's uh, so normally if you have a, a standard gin and tonic. Um, Certainly from a British point of view, you have 25 mil. So gin serves uh, can either be 25 mil, 35 mil, or a double can be 50 mil. We actually only put 5 mil in. So we have a little thimble, which is on, on every bottle. And, and the actual thimble re- relates to, um, a, a, which is 5 mil, relates, you know, thimbles were very popular in Victorian England when people used to do a lot mm. of sewing, etc. So it really sort of um, has a nice link back to, you know, when, when we first started making gin as a family, so it has five mil uh, instead of twenty-five mil, which is why it takes out the you know, twenty mil of the alcohol, eighty percent of the alcohol. You talked about the botanicals yeah. being stronger. What process did you go through to develop it? The botanicals we use are the same botanicals we use in all our gins. So we have ten botanicals, uh, which all of our different styles of gin use. We just use different levels of them, depending on what the what the gin may be compared. Say compared to our Hames London Dry and our, our Hames Old Tom, for example. And we've used the same 10. It's just having a more intense flavor. So when you're actually having your five mil, the flavor of the botanicals is is coming through, which gives you the gin and tonic taste or gin and tonic flavor as such. So it's the same 10 botanicals. There's, there's, there's no, there's no botan, there's not a botanical in there, which sort of alters the whole process. It's very much using what we've got, but just having more of it. How much experimenting did you need to do with the levels? of botanicals to make sure it, you got the right mix a lot you know this was not an easy project to come up with I'll, I'll be honest and you look at what we've managed to create and you've also got to remember the days in the distillery when we were really trying to make this happen and um we you know we, we hit quite a few quite a few problems regarding it uh you know there were times when we thought it's a great idea but probably maybe it's not going to work uh, and you then have to park it for a couple of weeks and and then come back to it I think, you know, is there another way that we can do it? And, you know, the, the team that we have in distillery, you know, persevered with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of desire to make this happen. And, you mm. know, so it's, it, it took a long time. You are really, really pushing the boundaries of distillation. You have to come overcome many, many problems to actually get it to a final product, uh, to, to make it work. So this, this has taken a long time, a lot of thinking, a lot of trial and error. A lot of periods when you were, you were going, go, oh, you know what? I'm not sure this is actually going to be able to work because of the technical side of it. You could, you've got to create the product, but you then got to get it into a position where it's ready to be bottled and the issues that it can have by, by, by following the process that we've had. So a huge amount of perseverance to do it. Uh, a lot of trial and error occasions when you, when you just have to go, right, we're going to leave this for a couple of weeks because we're, we're hitting a brick wall. Uh, and it's taken a very long time to do it from, you know, the, the initial concept of how do we do it and we had various different ideas of what we might be able to do 
you know, that's kind of phase one, uh, which then evolves into, right, which one has got the potential to work, uh, to actually then, you know, going through the feasibility of, of can it work to then get into a stage where we think it can and, and it's, and it's ready to, to, to take to market. When you say a long time, are we talking months or years? From when you started um, the process to now, yeah, I mean the idea is, is is over a year old, and as I said, it's uh, we had a couple of ideas that have evolved, so so yeah, well over a year, and and you know the reality is some parts of it were quite straightforward, some parts are very difficult. Distilling is actually quite a science, and it's really making the science of distillation work to be able to create the the end style of gin that we've we've created. So yeah, well over a year in from, from sort of thinking we want to do it, it was probably. Um, March, April time this year when we felt that we'd, we, we'd, we'd cracked it as such. And then you have to go through a process of getting it ready to be, to be bottled. You know, you've got you know, aspects of it. How do we, how do we tell the consumer that it's only five mil? So we had to think of, you know, what can we do on the package that makes them realize it's only five mil and how can we help them pour only five mil, which is where the thimble idea came from. It's a small gin. It's a small bottle. And although it's, a 20 cl bottle has actually got 40 serves of gin in because it's it's, it's only five mil and how do we present that mm. to the consumer how do we make sure that on a shelf it stands out how do we explain that messaging etc so we, we we put it into a, a larger pack to really help give it shelf stand out and also to give more instructions on the pack so people picking it up can follow a newer start a newer ritual in terms of how you make a gin and tonic and that was all part of the process and you know, that wasn't easy to do but probably the hardest point was actually making the uh making the liquid you know and the thimble we think works really well we, we've had lots of compliments about that and it's only been out a couple of weeks but it's really helping people understand what they have to do to be able to create the final product i mean it, it really is we would go as far to say this is probably the biggest innovation in gin for well over 100 years because uh, it really has taken gin away from you know the, the London dry style, which maybe gets evolved for different countries, uh, to then maybe adding some fla- you know some additional flavors or some additional colors if you want to go down the pink route. This is truly something quite different. You know, it, mm. uh, it, it's the, the whole process from start to finish is, is different. So it's been a big innovation, uh, and, you know, and really exciting to work on, but equally quite challenging as, as well. So I can imagine. Do you think that, that expressions like your small gin are the future of gin? You know, it's, it's, it's a great question and, you know, it's something that we've, we, we've, often, we've often discussed. And you know, one of the things that we're keen to avoid as a business is trends. <laughs> so there are always going to be aspects of a category which is a trend. And I think if you look at the flavoured category, it's a trend. You know, will flavoured mm. gin still be popular in five, ten years' time? We suspect. Not, not to the extent they are today. We actually think that um, the low and no side of the market has got longevity behind it. And I often talk about, you know, we're a family business and so we don't like the roller coaster business model where something can go up and grow very quickly, reach a peak and then come down quite quickly. So we think it has got longevity to it. Uh, and it certainly seems to be, I think it's aimed at actually quite a wide number of people. You've obviously got a younger audience who are, who are, you know, approaching the drinking age who maybe don't want to drink as much. You know, we are aware that the newer generation or younger generation maybe don't drink as much as older generations. So there's, there's that age group coming through. But I just think overall, in, in you know, across the spectrum, people are far more 
considerate or a lot of people are far more considerate about what they drink and what they eat so i think it will become a style of gin you know and i've already been asked a question by somebody else is this going to replace you know to your point is this the future i think it's part of the future i still think there's an occasion when you just want to have a gin and tonic or a gin martini or a negroni or whatever cocktail of choice it might be that has that has the full alcohol in but i think it will become part of it now where we are in future generations, that's quite difficult to predict. But I think sort of looking at mm. for, for where we are for today and, and you know the generations that exist today and, and where they're going to go over the next twenty years, I think it will. I think it's got longevity to it, but I don't. I, I don't think it's going to completely replace you know, some of the drinking trends that we, we we currently have. I think it will just right. become another option for people to have that you know, if they want to have a gin and tonic or a gin cocktail with less alcohol in. This is this is the route to go down. In terms of taste, mm. is someone going to be able to tell the difference between drinking small gin and, let's say, a normal London dry? We only introduced it a couple of weeks ago, um, and we had a UK trade show. So what we actually did there was we created the world's smallest gin bar, uh, which was a, a gin bar for one, and with a very small door that people had to crawl underneath, uh, just to create a little bit, uh, create a little bit of theatre around it. Um, a little and, bit and Alice in did, Wonderland, I'm assuming. It, 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 absolutely, yeah. No, we, we did. We had, we had quite a queue of people wanting to to actually uh, go into the the world's smallest gym bar. So it was, it was quite a nice idea just to to bring it to people's attention. And really, what we did from that point of view, we did a blind taste. You know, here's two gin and tonics. One's got our Heyman's London in. One's got our Heyman's Smalling. And fifty percent of people could not tell the difference between the two. And in fact, even yesterday afternoon, I, I was uh, sampling it with um, six people, and four of those mm. people could not tell the difference between a Heyman's London Dry and, and a Heyman's Small Gin. So, you know, th- there's still a lot more work to be done on it. It's, you know, there's still a lot of people who still haven't experienced it. They, they've got to try it. Uh, but from the, the initial signs are that, you know, there is a, and I've, I've been through the process myself, you know, my team and my distillery have. Uh, have blind tasted me on it and, and it is very difficult to pick it out because you still get the intense flavor of gin coming through so you know, if if you are somebody you know, we've we've come across people if you're somebody who puts a lot of gin into their gin and tonic and really free pours it yes you're gonna you're gonna get a difference because alcohol actually enhances those you know the botanicals in there um but you know we think 50 percent of people not being able to tell the difference is a pretty good figure based on what it is. So uh, okay. uh, you know, still yeah. very early, but we, we, we're we quite positive about that. What market do you imagine is going to be drinking the small gin? I think it's quite wide because, you know, I've, I was talking to, uh, talking to someone who works in the trade and he goes, the problem is, and this, you know, you go out for lunch now, gone are the days where you maybe have a gin and tonic when you arrive and it may be a glass of wine. You've got to go back to work and you, you've got to, be able to handle uh, what what's given to you. So a lot of people maybe just drink sparkling water or, or, or water or soft drink at lunchtime. This actually gives mm. you the opportunity to have a gin and tonic style drink, which has got eighty percent less alcohol in it. So I th- I think it stretches across a very wide spectrum of where it will be available uh, to somebody okay. who may- maybe wants to have a gin and tonic in the evening, but you might have a young family so you know if you've got a, a young you know young children who are going to be up early the next morning you you, you can't you know you, the last thing you want is maybe yes, a bit yeah. of a, a bit a bit heavy from the night before so it crosses a very wide spectrum and you know it's still very early days but 
it creates a new opportunity for people to have a gin and tonic without the without the the you know the alcohol uh, that a, that a normal one would have. So it's I think it gives it gives a wide opportunity and, and you know the, at the moment it's quite focused on the UK, but certainly the the, the retailers and the bars are speaking to me are very positive about it and you know there's there's lots of ideas that are coming out of it. So I, I don't think it's just one specific thing. I think it's going to be quite wide. Now, do you see small gin? I mean, has it been designed to compete against other gins or on the other side compete against these low ABV aperitivos that are coming through the market? Yeah, the, the most important thing to achieve from small gin was to be able to retain the flavour of the gin in a gin and tonic. So yeah, there are some no alcohol products out there which allow you to, in effect, have a gin and tonic experience without the gin. Um, the feedback we've had is that this 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 supersedes that because it it creates um, a, a better drinking experience with more flavour. I think it fits between the between both of them. I, I think it creates a new sector uh, in effect where it's given people an alternative to a, a no alcohol and it's given people an alternative to a full alcohol. Uh, so I think it sits in the middle. It's it's not. It, we're not. We haven't. We haven't created it to necessarily go after one market or, or another market. We've created it to create a new experience and to create a new okay. a, 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 a new way of drinking gin. And how do you see it being drunk? Are you seeing it as an everyday gin? A, a, again, it really comes up to the individual in terms of what they want. So if, if if someone every day wants to have a gin and tonic, but they don't want the alcohol in it for whatever reason, then yes, it can be every day. Now, obviously, this has been created with gin and tonic in mind. But what other cocktails could small gin work well in? The Tom Collins cocktail, which you know usually has a, a, a you know an old Tom style of gin and it has lemon um, lemon added to it as well. It's, it's, it's not it's not as well known as the gin and tonic, but it's an alternative to the gin and tonic. A lot of people don't like tonic, so uh, which is why they don't like they think they don't like gin. So it, it has soda water rather than tonic. So we created the tiny right. Tom Collins, uh, which which uh, creates follows down the same route. Interestingly, um, a couple of days, um, some some of our guys in the UK came back from a potential customer with a low groni, which uses there's a product from Australia called Liars, which is the, that uses the Liars yes. non-alcoholic orange bitters, uh, and then Coke vermouth. So again, it's 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 still got the alcohol in, but I think it was 0.8 of a unit, the total amount of alcohol. Yes, yeah, it'd be quite low, I imagine. It, and it was exceptional. It really was exceptional. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the Negroni, and it's you know it's uh, one of my go-to gin cocktails. And uh, you know I was pleasantly surprised by what what it delivered from a drinking experience. So I think there's a huge. You know, we're a gin distiller. We're not we're not bartenders or mixologists. Uh, and you know, once once it feeds itself into the uh, in, into the market. Then that's something that we uh, we, we expect to evolve uh, as as bartenders get their hands on it and start experimenting and, uh, and making cocktails. So we created it for the gin and tonic to create you know a, a low out gin and tonic, but I am sure other other cocktails will evolve from that as well. And what has the reaction of bartenders and bars been to the small gin so far? Very positive, you know. We, as I said, we launched it at a trade show, so it was a good opportunity to introduce it, where where all the bartenders congregate. We've had some, you know, some some wonderful writes write ups uh, in, in the press. Um, uh, Imbibe, which is a very well known British trade drinks trade magazine, called it, you know, the product of Imbibe 2019. 
and, and you know, we're getting a lot of people emailing us, a lot of people calling us, going, "Can we try it? Can we have samples?" And you know, these people are, you know, um, very recognised bar groups and retailers across the UK who are quite taken with the idea. So you know, there's still a process to go through. Usually, when you create a product, you have to go and go and sell it and communicate it and knock on people's doors. What we're finding mm. with this is that actually people are coming to us. Uh, so as That's I said, it's great. only been two. It's only, it's only been two or three weeks, so very early days. But the initial the initial feedback has been positive to it, and you do expect that because whenever something new comes out, I think people are quite intrigued. Uh, you know, we are very aware as, as much as we think it's a great idea. There's, there's still a long process to go through to establish it amongst consumers, bartenders in bars, etc. So it's 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 a long term project, and nothing, nothing works overnight. So there is there is a process to go through. Uh, but I think you know one of the key things when you launch something is is raising some interest behind it and you know making people intrigued enough to want to try it i think that's 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 the first uh, the first challenge whenever you introduce something new now with the name small is yeah. there a story behind it why why did you choose that particular yeah there is and if you actually go back to the 1700s uh back in england um beer at that time was probably about 0.5 percent maybe up to two percent and the reason being, it was probably better for you to drink beer rather than it was to drink water. And it was called small beer because it was, I guess, you know, ahead of its time by quite a few hundred years in many ways. But it was a low alcohol beer, uh, which still exists today. You know, there are, um, it, it is available, available now. So it was really sort of building on something that was already in the market. And then it links very nicely, you know, because we have, because there's 40 serves in, in a 20 CL bottle. You know, compared to 28 serves in a 70 cl bottle, you've got a small mm. bottle. It's a small serve, so it tied in. It, it tied in very well, and, and the two just came together. I mean, we we always called it small gym because we always knew it was going to be a small serve, and you know, the, the, the small beer side of it is is not that well known, uh, but but it, it's, it's something we we were conscious of. So it just really sort of all tied together to create something that that worked very well. And uh, you know, the most important thing is. It's still a gin, but how do you, you know, how do you keep it within the gin category, but tell people that it's something different? And I think small gin, it's, it's easy to understand once you understand it, but it also will make people ask questions. Well, what is small gin? And, and, and part of the way of educating people is to get someone to ask a question so you can give them an answer, and the answers actually appear on on the packaging. Well, let's talk about availability. I'm assuming it's available throughout the UK at present. <laughs> So we introduced it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the official launch will be the 1st of August. Um, so at the moment, we're just, uh, you know, we're in discussions with, with, with various people, but it's, uh, we're taking pre-orders for it. So as of, as of, uh, you know, the 1st of August, around early August, it will be ready for us to ship out. And what about other international destinations? One of the things with Haymans and, and something that we, we very much focus on is that we are, we are widely distributed from an international point of view. We're available in 65 markets around the world so um but we we take into account there'll be some markets that maybe aren't so interested in, in low alcohol or they maybe haven't got to the stage of low alcohol so um certainly a lot of lot of interest from europe uh, a lot of interest from canada and america um likewise australia new zealand um asia asia gin isn't so big or it's it's still it's still growing it, it, you know asia traditionally has been a very dark spirit market be whiskey or cognac mm. So, so, um, you know, it's certainly, uh, you know, gin has definitely grown in that part of the world, 
whether they're ready for a low alcohol alternative yet uh, remains remains to be seen. Um, but it, it's probably the more traditional gin markets that we will focus on initially, um, and then we'll, we'll we'll see how it how it goes goes from there really. And if people want more information, I assume they can go to your website. On our website, um, uh, we, we have uh, you know a lot more information uh, on on Small Gin. Also, our, our social media pages are a good 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 uh, place to go to as well. Be it Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Any updates? Um, that's usually a place that's easy to sort of keep that regular updates. And if you know a new co- someone creates a new cocktail. Uh, you know, like we, we just we're seeing with the low growing at the moment, we can we can put it on our social media pages. That's also a good place to to visit. All right. Well, look. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today, James. No, my pleasure. Thank you for for speaking Cheers. to me. <laughs> and we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Cocktails Distilled. Be sure to visit cocktailcollective.com.au to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers.